Okay, afternoon and welcome to the Holopod podcast by Searchability. Today we're recording our third episode. Can't believe I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> I'm Ollie Preston and your host of this very pod. And today we're going to be delving into the elusive world of the national security and defence market. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Um, <laughs> a lot of this is a secret to me, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this particular pod. I can't tell you much about this market, but luckily the two guests I've got sat next to me certainly can. Afternoon, Will and Kel. Hello. Afternoon, all. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're good. Been, um, been looking forward to this good. week, to be honest. Good. So t- today, the plan is that we're going to delve into how to hire security cleared tech talent, give a few insights about the market, potentially cover how candidates can also break into that market, but an overall perspective on, on how clients can really... You know, widen their reach i guess guys um joined by will firstly will is the md of our standalone nsnd market sounds quite important when you put no, it it's, 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 it's very it's very <laughs> important and you've recently opened up the uh, the manchester office yeah looks like it's all going pretty well mate yeah yeah it's going better than the weather i can tell you that much happy days <laughs> uh, will, will and i have worked together for just over five years um, you initially started uh, in doing contract recruitment and you uh, reinvented yourself once or twice <laughs> over the years until you really found your calling doing something that nobody else seems to understand. But it's no, you don't. You don't brilliantly, mate. Um, we've also got Kel here. Hey, Kel. Hello. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Kel heads up our delivery arm at Searchability, as well as overseeing the management of one of our key multi-million pound accounts these yes, days, Kel. Yeah, no, no pressure. <laughs> now you did, you did a wonderful job and it's great to have seen that side of the organisation grow. So yeah, you know, well, how, how are you guys? All good? All good on this side, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, good. No, it's, it's great to have you. Um, for those watching on video, I'm going to give you a heads up. Will and Kel are both from the North East. <laughs> They're not the easiest to understand, so we'll make sure the subtitles are switched on. <laughs> and if you're listening on Spotify or, or the likes of don't know, just just listen very intently. Maybe slow the um <laughs> I'll try. Slow it I'll slow try. it down a bit, <laughs> I've guys. Lost already. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, cool. So let's I feel like we've got a lot to cover today. You know, there's there's a lot of, of elements to your world uh, that we want to share with, with the audience. So we'll we'll dive straight in. Um starting with yourself, Will. Do you want to just give the listeners out there a brief overview as to you know, as as to what what your market consists of and how how go, how you go about it on a daily basis? Yeah, definitely. So it, it's National Security Defence. Um, it covers anything that requires security clearance at any point in the journey. That could be before someone starts um, or whilst they're or, or in a job. It covers everything from National Security, Intelligence Agencies, Ministry of Defence, and everything in between, Cabinet Office, NHS, et cetera, et cetera. So a bit of everything. <laughs> okay, so it's not just your, your huge organisations. No, no, we... Most recognised ones, for we, we, say. We work with, I think, something like four of the top ten um, leading defence companies in the world. We work with a lot of national security clients as well. And most recently, we, we've taken really good ca- um, pleasure in working with a whole lot of SMEs, starting out from 10 to 20 staff, up to 40 staff. Um, so, yeah, co- complete mix across the board. Okay, amazing. Well, we'll touch on that in more detail shortly. But before we uh, before we get too serious... We do like to uh, to kick kick the pod off, kick the pod off with a with a regular segment of ours called the um, the good, the bad, mm-hmm. and the awkward. <laughs> and you can you can try and tick all three. You can you can choose an avenue you want to go down. But the idea behind this is we break the ice. We we tell the audience a little bit more about Will Roebuck and his recruitment experience. Um, you know, sometimes when there's when there's two of our guests, we well, we, we have a fight over over who gets to go first, but it's it's pretty obvious that that Kel would win. <laughs> so we've decided to base this segment on the person that's been in recruitment the longest, which which is yourself, William. No doubt you've probably got more awkward stories to share. <laughs> I've heard a few over the years myself. So you're off the hook, Kel. Will, do you want to kick us off with a, a GBA? Um, yeah, yeah. We've we've listened to the first two podcasts, which were really good, um, and we thought this might come up. So I started trying to put together nice. some ideas and I think the perfect thing happened this week. Um, in the software engineering world, there's, a, there's an old language called ADA. Okay. It's used quite a lot in aviation. It's really safe if you write it into embedded stuff, apparently. Um, Sounds it, complicated. It, it means things are safe. Um, and we had a candidate interview for software engineering role and ADA would be part of it. And mid-interview, he was asked, part of the role would be working with ADA. 
you know, are you okay with that? To which the candidate replied, I've, I've never met Ada, but I've worked with loads of people. I don't mind working with anyone. Classic. Um, which was followed by an instant 15-second pause while everyone was trying to reverse, essentially, what the hell was going on. <laughs> so that, that, I think that definitely covers the awkward, I'd say. For sure. <laughs> um, the good news, I suppose the good that came out of it is he's still in the mix. We're organising a second interview. Um, I prepped him on what Ada is, and that Ada isn't the person in this on this occasion um, so the client saw the funny side then yeah yeah i think um open to all interpretations and the sort of the funny side of it eventually once i explained um <laughs> but i'm certainly not letting you have to have to hook that easy cow oh um, drop, um, drop to <laughs> it <laughs> thanks um I, what we really probably want is the awkward i imagine forget the good and the bad it's just have an awkward example mm, okay so I'll um, definitely mention that we're from the northeast, and yeah, we do often get our accents ripped into a little bit. Um, <laughs> so when I was working 360, I did software development in the southwest, and I hired a systems business analyst in Thame. She did really well, worked with her for three weeks. It wasn't until she successfully secured the job that she told me it's Tem. It's not <laughs> Berkshire. It's not from and it's not by Sester. so i think the southwest is not for me so you, you move swiftly on from that then yeah not for me that area of the country for a very intelligent female <laughs> there's a few outstanding errors in there Kel, i'm honest with you yeah well thank you for very awkward that later on. <laughs> not much good from those two stories really guys placements well, well, yeah i suppose i suppose no nice well thanks for that nice way, nice little way to break the ice let's um Let's move on then. Let's let's get stuck straight into the pod. I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there are about as knowledgeable as I am when it when it comes to this market. So let's let's start at the very beginning, you know, and try and understand the different levels of clearance that you guys have to cover on a daily basis. Over over to you. Yeah, I'll um. I could waffle on about this for half an hour, to be honest. I'm sure no one in the right mind wants to listen to that for half hour. So I'll give you a very quick kind of zoomed out fly past. Um, for more info, we do have a link on our website. If you go on uh, Searchability NSD, um, there is a link which says how to make clearance clear. Um, feeling that, just chuck me a call or an email to find out more. Um, I think for me, there's two, two different types of clearance. There's the one that anyone walking the street can go online and, and get. That's your criminal record check, your DBS, um, Basic Disclosure Scotland. You pay 25 quid, three days later, bang, you've got a certificate. Um, the clearance that, that we specialise in is a little bit different to that. You can't go online and get it yourself. You've got to be sponsored by a specialist company, um, which is called ListX. Um, to be a ListX company, you've, you've kind of got to go through the world's most rigorous auditing and, and torture, um, if I'm honest with you, <laughs> for the sounds of it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's three specific main types of clearance within there. There's a whole lot of variations, but I'll keep everyone sanity. I'll not go too far into that. Um, you do like to waffle on a little. <laughs> if, I, if you do find me waffling, then just... Like Leah's going to put her hand up in the background if you talk too much. Um, first kind of clear, first type of clearance is, is a BPSS. It stands for Baseline Personnel Security Standard, which is one hell of a mouthful to say. Um, that essentially, it does a criminal record check. It checks five years' worth of employment records, five years of address history. Um, it checks if you've been out of the country for 28 days or more. I mean, that's fine. We could all do with getting out of the country for a long holiday. Um, that's not necessarily what we're looking for. That's quite light touch. That takes about three weeks. Okay. Um, to, to work on any government project in theory, you go through BPSS check. And then to move some clearances from company A to company B, you also go through BPSS check. So we come across that all the time. Um, the second one, and the, the, the most popular in terms of what we recruit for, is SC clearance, stands for security check. Um, it's very similar to BPSS, um, but it will check um, finances to make sure you've got no CCJs, things like that. If you have, I think, generally speaking, as long as you declare them, that that's all fine. Um yeah, criminal record check, very similar to PPSS, so check your employment history, et cetera, et cetera. And then the big one is the DV clearance, this is the more famous one. Typically speaking, this takes nine months to go through. Um, coming out of COVID, there's a bit of a backlog, so you're looking at 18 months on some occasions to, to go through a DV. Wow. It's um, stressful, it's probably not the right word, but it's quite rigorous, shall we yeah. say. Um, it does everything that a BPSS and an SC clearance does, but it also will check... Um, what kind of videos you've watched online, shall we say? Um, and there is a one okay. <laughs> Often asking those questions in front of people you live with, which yeah. might be a little oh, bit yeah, awkward. That sounds very yeah. awkward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've heard a few stories. Um, imagine. <laughs> I think, to be honest, if you do to do a one-on-one interview with you and ask you those kind of questions, if you've had an extramarital affair, um, 
have you ever dabbled in this, dabbled in that? I think the key story is I, I've heard all sorts of stories and people still pass. I think these guys do this every day. You know, 40 hours a week for a living. They've heard everything, I imagine. So, um, yeah, I think people end up just having a laugh. I think as long as you have a laugh, you're yeah. honest. You, you are, you, are you giving the heads up that the question is going to be quite invasive before you go in? Yeah, I think yeah. people know it's going to be invasive. Yeah. yeah, I think the key is honesty. They're looking for yeah. honesty, aren't they? Do you have anyone dropping out before... I've, they um, have to reveal all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do they do a drugs test? Yes, they do. Do they test for all drugs? Yeah. All right, <laughs> thanks. It's not for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few people hang up when I've explained the process in the past. Really? Yeah. Well, not unless they hang up. Because you'd think, is it quite, I assume you can't just acquire DV clearance without having SC clearance beforehand. Is, is it possible? Or is that the most natural? Uh, you can, you can. I, I, people do do it. I think from a company's point of view, it takes two months to get an SC. You can get started on um, accessing certain bits of the platform. It takes nine months, sometimes 18, 24 months after COVID to, to get a DV. A lot of people tend to go PPSS, then SC, then DV, because you can have your SC and a DV application going on at the same time. Okay. Um, two months in, you get your SC, work on some SC work, and then there's a longer journey to DV, but at least you're doing... So it all kind of rolls away in, in the background, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. We, we get quite a few people, once they, they get an SC to get a DV, if you don't use a clearance for 12 months, it lapses. A lot of people only then use their DV and their SC lapse. Okay. When you're moving into an SC role. So there's, there's, there's layers, essentially. There's a few levels and layers to this complicated. Yeah, and I'm right in thinking from my very brief... I don't know what's the right word to explain. I, I had a little look into these roles before you really flew with it. The guys, if if they, you know, say a contractor, for example, leaves that role, they only have twelve months to yeah. to withhold that clearance, and then after that, it's it's gone for good, and you start the whole process again. Yeah, that's not me saying it. You have to reapply for the clearance. It's probably quicker the second time round. So it is easier. A lot of information on file, or just check what's changed in the, in the in that interim period. But yeah, you've essentially got to go through the clearance from scratch. All right, cool. Sounds very complicated. Once you get to 10 months, give me a call. <laughs> but once, once you're in, you, you're kind of in then. The whole process becomes a lot easier. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good world. It's such a, a skill shortage. You know, everyone needs, for example, a Java developer. Um, throwing the clearance shortage as well. If you've got both. Yeah, hugely you, advantageous, isn't it? You're yeah. in a whole load of demand all of a sudden, shall we say? Well, you're in demand anyway, but I mean, the, the, the doors are open. It's crazy. Mm. And it's, um, I, I always say, if you're not sure whether you want to use the clearance in your next role or not, and bubble wrap it to an extent yeah um let us take care of it you know sometimes you can leave a role and because you worked on a certain system they might need you to come back in at short notes to fix something if it goes wrong so there's ways of keeping your clearance there just 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 talk to us okay so that covers the different types of clearance but why it's, ob it's obvious that the mi5 and mi6 for example would require high level clearance because there's so much confidential information but why does the NHS, I think you mentioned before, why would the NHS require clearance levels from candidates? Oh, good question. Um, it, it's all to do with the type of information you've got access to. So SC clearance, you've typically got access to what's called secret information, DV clearance, top secret. Like you said, it's a bit more obvious for what we call the intelligence bodies. Um, if you're on site then you've got access to all their information. Could you realistically work out a list of names of spies in the foreign country? Yes. You can see why Dangerous. people don't want that one um, getting <laughs> out. Um, for the more day-to-day -day stuff, um, if you work on HMRC, you've probably got the Prime Minister's tax records on somewhere that you can get access to. Um, NHS, um, you've got everyone in the NHS system, i.e. probably 99% of the country's um, medical records. Um, so it's quite important that they know that that person that's going into that role, access to that information, is of a relatively sound temperament shall we say yeah trust in nature yeah i think what they want to see is that you're of a sound temperament to have access to that information you're not likely to go and leak it spell it to the press or do anything untoward of it essentially okay uh, in interesting you see when i when i think about the world in which you recruit i automatically go down an avenue of these huge global defense companies i wouldn't necessarily think that you do a lot of work with the NHS, for example. Is is that quite a common misconception? 
Yeah, no, I, I think definitely, don't get me wrong, we, we do so much work in what we call national security, we do so much work in defence, um, but I think there's a big stigma whenever anyone mentions security clearance, and in fact, when I speak to candidates who've never been cleared before, they automatically think they're going to be working on like a missile system, which is a real big kind of stigma, and it's a real reason a lot of people don't want to get cleared. It's definitely not the case. Um, a few examples, um, you generally are working for the good of the country, and there's some really good things that, that have came out of SC cleared work in particular. Um, a few really good examples, um, when the pandemic happened, all of a sudden the government needed a whole load of new platforms building up, um, the furlough scheme in particular. Yeah. She soon I announced it, I think everyone agreed it was absolutely fantastic. and uh, really helped a lot of companies survive the pandemic, as well as a lot of people keep their jobs and not, you know, end up on, on benefits, shall we say. Um, the, the furlough scheme, it needed to be built quicker than a government platform has ever been built before. I can imagine. <laughs> it also needed to scale, um, to, to hundreds of thousands of users, not just the, the, the couple of hundreds. So um, one of the companies we work with that, that, that Kelly delivers a lot into, uh, the biggest technical consultancy in the world, threw all their resources at it. I think they finished it in two and a half, three weeks. So it was ahead of time, ahead of budget. Um, in the government world, if you don't read in the papers that it's gone horribly wrong, it yeah. typically means there's a lot of people that have worked hard that will never get thanks for it. So I mean, that's a good example. Um, we were saying yesterday, um, when you do your driving license application now, Remember my days, or probably in your days, um, you had to do it by pen. <laughs> Thank <and paper>. you. Snuck <laughs> <laughs> that in there. Yeah. <laughs> you had to use the old school pen and paper and actually post it off. I remember it well. Um, now, apparently, you just go online, type a few things in, and a card comes through the post. Um, and that is a cleared, you know, software engineers that, that are doing that. Interesting. Okay, cool. You you write about the stigma, but you know, you're obviously covering clients from all shapes and sizes, and obviously, clearances a lot more relevant to the masses than people think naturally, I guess. I think there's huge appeal there as well, working on these high impact in the news, very relevant, often you know, doing a lot of good for a lot of people, projects, you know, excitement comes in a lot of ways. Yeah, if you're interested in the defence world, there's a lot of exciting typical defence work, but it doesn't all have to be about that. There's some real good projects out there, Track and Trace, um, the gov.uk ID verification systems that are happening at the minute, you know, real high impact, really relevant work that's happening in the public sector. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool. You know, I was, I was going to leave this um, this comment, I guess, till later on, but considering you mentioned the pandemic, it's, it's probably relevant to wrap that in now. Obviously, a, a, a difficult time for, for us all. And I touched on it in, in, in both pods, I think, to some degree. I'm trying to move past it. It's obviously still in my head. Um, but I remember at that time, albeit business levels dropped right across the board, in your division, albeit you were still impacted, it was nowhere near as bad. It didn't feel... And I was having countless calls off candidates that I would typically speak to from a traditional perspective saying, well, I want to get into this this, this clearance market. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all these guys are still recruiting. And I didn't really know how to guide them, to be honest with you, because I didn't have your level of knowledge. But there was certainly a, a thought process that if I'm not already cleared, I can't apply, for example. Now, I know that is the case sometimes, probably more so with contract roles, I'm imagining, because it's a bit more fast-paced. Yeah, yeah. But is is this open to everybody? I know you've touched on the clearance levels, but if it is an SC-cleared role, can you fast-track that process and still be considered if you have no clearance levels whatsoever? I think you've you touched upon a lot of it there, to be honest with you, Ollie. Um, in permanent world, quite often people start uncleared and go through clearance whilst they've handed a notice in yeah. before they start. And then when, they are, when they're on the job... It's a bit more unusual in the contract market, um, especially DV clearance. Like I mentioned earlier, it takes typically nine months. Um, no contractors wait nine months to start work. Um, Never. Companies typically need things done a lot quicker. That's why they need a contractor. So um, in the contract world, it is harder, but we've seen it a lot coming out of COVID. The security vetting team have got a much bigger backlog. So it's now possible. We've got a lot of roles at the minute, even in the contract world, where you can start uncleared. Uh, to do a the, the BPSS, which takes three weeks, get you started whilst you go through your SC. You might not have access to all the information in the system, but that doesn't mean you can't code the system. Yeah. Um, and then they can run some test data through to make sure the system works. So that that's becoming really, really popular. We've got a whole lot of people starting on an SC clearance and then going through DV um, during the contract. For contractors, that's brilliant. If you ever get a chance to, I, I definitely would. One, it means the contract's going to be at least two and a half years long, which in the contract world is, is a brilliant days. initial contract. <laughs> yeah. um, and number two, it, op- it opens up so many doors. We, we're talking about um, in the software engineering world, there's such a skill shortage. Um, everyone seems to need a Java developer or, or 100 uh, mm-hmm. quite often. 
Um, add a clearance shortage in there if you've got both. You have a, a, a person of very high demand, shall we say. No, that, that, it, it, it makes sense. I know a lot of these guys tend to stick, stick in clearance as well yeah. once they're in. Just very, very quickly, from a, a salary perspective or a day rate perspective, you know, can you expect to be paid more in that world because of that skill shortage? Um, I think quite often you can. You, it depends what level you're currently coming in at because the end user is the government. The government, quite rightly from a taxpaying perspective, control how much money someone can physically get paid quite often. Or sometimes not directly, there's only so much they're going to pay for a project to be done, which limits, you know, sometimes financial companies can outpay um, public sector work. Um, I think it's a very competitive market where if it wasn't controlled, it would quite quickly become a bidding war, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? So, you know, there's only certain primes and subprimes that feed into certain government departments and that would just get carried away. So there are definite restrictions which, you know, are in place to sit within those, but it's hugely competitive, isn't it? Yeah, I think if you're looking to get in a contract market for the first time, it's it's, it's a really good move. Um, I think if you're permanent um, and you, you're interested in working on, you know, quite often it generally is cutting edge. Uh, these platform scale to cover every resident of the UK quite often. So you can imagine the, the type of technology that's being used, um, especially in the national security world, some of the technology they've got access to is, is, is mind-blowing. So it's really, really exciting to move. And in terms of job security, I've never seen anything, even a contract. Incomparable. Yeah. 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 We've got it's co- been proved, like you said. Yeah. You know, they were still hiring on mass scales through the pandemic. Yeah. For the reasons that you stated, such as the the furlough scheme project, yeah, furlough scheme, um, home office. We left, um, we left Europe, so we had to do our own passport stuff for the first time. HMRC, we had to start making our own tax platform instead of using uh, Europe's. Even things like uh, GPS system, which works out where you are on Google Maps. We used to use Europe's, um, got kicked out. So there's a massively grown space industry in the UK as well. Which so is it's constantly evolving, effectively, just like everything else. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. I'm keen to move this on and make it um, particularly insightful for clients. You know, that That's the, the main purpose behind the pod. Now, just before we, we, we delve deeper into that, we are fortunate that today we've got you two here who, who have both actually covered traditional, then moved into the clearance market. So there's nobody better placed, certainly from a searchability perspective, to talk about differences i was going to say subtle differences but i don't think they are that subtle <laughs> if, if i'm honest um i i did dip my toe into this world before will really flew with it and despite years of experience doing recruitment I, I found it really tough mainly because you can't just search for clearance you know it's it's, it's really hard so you know what well first let's talk about the differences so you know, what are the obvious differences between recruiting traditional it recruitment staff and then you, you cleared members of staff um, I, I think from my side, I'm sure Kelly will jump in at some point. Um, and, and correct me when I'm waffling. <laughs> um, if you're searching for, I keep using Java's analogy, so I'll, I'll carry on. If you're searching for Java, you typically search for Java, and Java comes up. Um, with secu- I made a career out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds easy, yeah. right? <laughs> um, with security clearance, if you hold security clearance, you're not supposed to publicly state you've got. Security yeah, clearance. that was my so, understanding. Yeah, in terms of CVs, people typically don't put it on a CV or on LinkedIn. Um, so when you search for what you're looking for, security clearance, you get absolutely nothing in return. So you you kind of got to shift that that whole way of searching away from what makes sense to a whole lot of other stuff that quite often doesn't make any sense. Almost so. like a second language, often. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when you are speaking to these candidates again, they're not really supposed to be telling you they've got security clearance. So like Kel mentioned, even on qualifications on the phone, is it is it you still get some people saying I, I can't I can't speak yeah, to you about that? When yeah. We're trying to delve project information out there, saying I'm not allowed to tell you. I was working on a project. That's all you need to know. Right. Okay. Uh, so the you can't discuss projects, but they they can tell you their level of clearance. Is that allowed on the phone? Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. Which makes does it, our, well, does it happen? <laughs> <laughs> it is that second language thing you know there's a yeah. lot of reading between the lines there's a lot of if i was to say this would you correct me you know those types yeah, of conversations yeah okay and you know it goes without saying that the longer you do this you'll pick up on the companies that are almost certainly going to be cleared for example yeah, yeah. i think for us there's, there's certain companies if you've been there for more than a year you'll, you'll definitely be cleared um the, we know the projects that are happening and if you're using one technology in, in conjunction with another, you, you don't use it on a national security project. So we can quite often pick out when people hold clearance without them stating it. And I think, like Kel said, it's a second language. 
everyone knows GCHQ is GCHQ, but it's quite often referred to as the big round building in Cheltenham or the, the donut, donut or <laughs> West. Uh, there's there's Germany. more nicknames <laughs> you can imagine. I think for us, we get a lot of buy-in from candidates with clearance because we don't ask them the obvious question outright. Yeah. We'll flirt around the outside four times without saying that I know what I'm talking about. Candidate knows what we're talking about. And then we've got the client. The client knows what we're talking about. But we've never actually said it. So it's a strange old world. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very it's very secretive. It must be really hard to get your head wrapped around that, especially initially. Okay, no, that, that's that's helpful information. So I'm, I'm a client then. And, you know, I, I need to uh, attract these, these candidates that are obviously hard to find. You guys do this all day, every day. And, you know, you... I say you make it look easy, but I'm sure it's a lot, it's a lot more complex than that. What what do I do as a client to in, improve my hiring process? I used to have more hair, put it that way. Um, do you <laughs> do the kick things off? Yeah, so I think a huge one is you know partnering with someone who knows what they're talking about. You know that's half the battle. You can't be everywhere. We are already everywhere. You yeah. know, utilize that. Have us work on your behalf. Um, with the account managed. Um, key accounts that we do within my delivery team there's so much value that comes from that you know there's the obvious we are an extension of the brand we're putting out really relevant up-to-date information to the market um, it's, it's a real tricky one you don't want to piss off the small pool of talent that you've got in this niche and, and everyone knows everyone yeah and if you start putting out misinformation or you're working with sloppy agencies or you've not got the chance to be everywhere you're just going to damage and and that makes the the relationship volatile um you know there's a lot of key insights that we can give as um you know account managers within this space we know what your competitors are doing we know how to attract the right talent we know what they're looking for you know what are their real pulls is it salary is it utilizing their clearance is it making sure they're maintaining that or transferring it or you know it is it is a difficult world so it's really important that you're working with the right people i think is at least the angle i would go at will i think yeah i think it's really quick to get a good reputation it's also really quick to lose a good reputation as well yes um i think i mentioned to you before we add a lot of extra steps in from our side quite often which is strange as recruiters you you kind of want to get everyone through the process as quick as possible most of the time but um we generally, if someone holds a scooter clearance, we take extra steps to make sure to keep it during the move. Um, I think we've placed over 300 people the last couple of years and never had anyone lose the clearance in between. Mm. Okay. I have heard of people losing their clearance in between elsewhere. And I think um, you know, a candidate pool suddenly don't want to work with that agency or, or that company again. So, again, it's about the whole thing of really quick to, it's really easy to lose a good reputation. Yeah, I think as well when you work with, people who are dedicated to especially at high volume scaling out your teams you know you've got an awareness of that bigger picture you can work towards additional incentives you know whether that's increasing your diversity and inclusion that is a huge thing at the minute um you know very hot topic yeah very hot topic and it all comes from having those bigger long-term goals you know we, we get that right now you need a role filling but if you need a hundred what's that going to look like you know we can work towards helping that happen you know whether that comes right down to um you know gender neutral adverts that are out there so that we're getting a cross population of the of the skills out there for you to see um, and then you can just judge it on merit you know all of those types of things are, are having that you know long-term partnership which is better than, right, we need to fill one role right now. So it's all about that bigger picture. Exactly. You you touched on diversity and inclusion there, Carl. I know you're, you're a big advocate of this. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a very hot topic in, in, in the world at the moment, and, and rightly so. But in, in your world, excuse my ignorance, but I'd assume skill set, can you do the job? <laughs> and are you qualified? I Obviously, I may, maybe wrongly assume that, that would go out of the window because there's such a, a small pool there already, but but clearly not. Yeah, and so that's, that's a danger that, you know, genuinely clients have to be aware of. Yeah. You know, you've got to have those longer term plans and you've got to have that, you know, the zoomed out picture to be able to take into consideration and genuinely work with someone who wants to help you build the best teams because otherwise you can quickly become very hard set on, right, we've got everyone looks the same everyone comes from the same background yeah everyone's got the clearance but are we really giving the best that we can give to a, a big company in this space you know the big companies do dominate and you've got to be doing what you can to make sure you're pulled into the 21st century off, off I, th I think as well um interesting the, the actual community that, that are recruiting these guys are doing so much um it's a bit of a strange story I'm going off on a tangent here as usual i think after 9 11 um the us did the, the nsa national security agency 
Um, always recruited from the same pool of candidates. It was your traditional white ex-rugby player, um, normally from the same two or three universities. And when it, when 9-11 happened, it did this big analysis and they worked out that had people from a Muslim or Islamic background, they would have picked up much, much quicker that that threat was there. They knew something was coming, they just didn't know where. Right. I'm not surprised a bunch of, you know, the same rugby players all talk about rugby work. You know, there's that lack of diversity and inclusion, which which was picked up afterwards, really, really cost them. And I think mm. we've seen so much you know, since that in particular, and the world's moved on a lot, thankfully. Um, we've seen so much more diversity and inclusion. GCHQ is a really good example. Um, they've got these whole rooms and banks of um, touchscreen desks and keyboards. They found out that blind people solve challenges um, very different to somebody who's born with perfect vision. Um, and that difference in thought process means to solve technical problems. You know, if you're stuck connecting two bits of technology, it could take two years, but they've got the, the more diverse a pool they can tap mm. into, the more different solutions they get. And so that's, I imagine that room must look absolutely crazy, just yeah. full of <laughs> touchscreen everything. But it sounds really, really cool. So I think sounds that's, local. again, another example of, of diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, just going back to your question a little bit, what can clients do? You know, I've spoken about the account managed side and the delivery side. Um, you know, we have got access to, you know, tech agnostic, flexible resource when you when you use an account manager. But there are other, I mean, Will could probably talk about more RPO type offerings or, you know, there's different ways that, yeah. that we can work. And Yeah, we, we've got... Um, for those who don't know, we've got Searchability, then we've got a kind of assisted company, and um, that's part of Searchability that that marries up with companies in a much deeper level than just out and out recruitment. I need a developer. There you go. We all move on, and we've got some really close partnerships. And um, the whole idea is we're an extension of their brand. Yeah. Um, there's companies that we work for when we go to an expo, and they've got someone off sick. We'll chuck a hoodie on because we know that much about the company. Um, and we'll stand in their stall for half the day uh, to help them out and get through and we generally get down to their site every so often we throw events with them we've got a lot of partnerships um sophie and lee on the, on the marketing team speak to their marketing team every week we get involved in their marketing we tell them what the market's saying you know we speak to hundreds of candidates every day why not use that and tell companies where what how they need to change their message to stay relevant to the market um that's been really really powerful um it, when you see the results of, of that versus the results of the more traditional recruitment really good impact there yeah okay i've seen you've gone on quite a lot of these expos it's quite often huge planes in the backgrounds of your pictures <laughs> and all that and i mean it looks so cool you know if you want to be a, a recruiter you want to be a security clear defense sector recruiter it just <laughs> it just looks awesome but it you know you've, you mentioned there that you, these guys go to the expos now is is that is, is putting yourself out there really important despite the fact that you can't necessarily you know, divulge relevant information because the way i envisage this is that there's 200 people at this expo and, and you're talking but <laughs> they can't really speak to each other you know what's the first thing you ask someone I mean, what, what do you do for a living you know, what, Everyone's what's, just saying what's your everyone, job oh i wouldn't know about that yeah exactly it just <laughs> it feels it feels like a different world mm. you know is is these is it really important that these clients getting involved in, in things like the Expos? Yeah, I, I think 1 million percent. I think people are much more willing face-to-face -to, -face to divulge info. There's the stories all the time about Russia breaking into phone networks, et cetera, et cetera. So not everyone wants to mention clearance on the phone, but face-to-face, -face, typically speaking, a bit more of a safer yeah. environment. Um, and yeah, more so, you know, if we can't have those conversations over the phone, let's all meet up. Like, it makes more sense yeah. to be out there. It is a community. It is tight-knit. You know, we've spoken a bit now about once you're in, you're in, you know, so... So get in is the is the point, yeah. you know, as a, as a client, go to these things, make yourself known. And I think when you're looking at such a massive shortage of talent, clearance, why not? You know, get yourself. Cool. Yeah, they are, they are dead. They are dead cool. <laughs> is, it, is it not a, I might be putting on my age old recruitment hat here, but, you know, you've got six of the biggest defence companies in the world, all with different stands, say, and there's candidates who work for those companies just walking around from a recruitment perspective. I know that's not really the driving force behind these things, but is it not a concern that you know people could communicate with other people's staff? Yeah, that, that, that definitely happens quite often. Um, I'm imagining that candidates, if you are walking to work, there's only so many places you can go, right? Yeah, this is 
yeah, I think the the, the, the the big players in this sector are bigger than most big players not in this sector, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah it does, it does. Um, we work with companies that have got over 100,000 staff globally. You know, if we weren't in a cleared space, the big players are probably 20,000 staff. So th- th- I think that's definitely the case, but I think there's there's so many niche um, SMEs popping up these days to, to deal with very, very niche challenges the government are having. Machine learning, data science in particular, that there's loads of SMEs popping up in and around that, um, that, you know, kind of working on commercial markets, but could also use that technology for government reasons as well. The government have thrown in loads of investment. I think GCHQ have just opened up in Manchester and some of the outreach projects they're doing. I think every half year they choose 12 local companies that are tech-based um, and they give a team of their engineers you know, that's struggling to solve problems. They'll give a team of their engineers to go in, fix their problems, but in return, when they solve that technology, they've also got access to it to start doing proof of concepts for how they could use it as okay. well. Okay. Interesting old world. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is. It's, you know, it's actually very interesting. It's really insightful as well. So thank you for that. Okay, so still still on the client subject, we're going to move on to your um, your top five tips that I asked you guys to put together last week. But is there any any pitfalls or, or challenges that we haven't already covered just in conversation that you want to raise? Definitely, definitely. I think um, it, it's such a complicated world. It's quite often quite a secretive world as well, which means that people don't talk to people, which is can cause misinformation i think is what happens you know we're talking about speaking between the lines or almost using a second language if you do that wrong you know it can quite quickly become quite muddy i think that's a a challenge a lot of misconceptions i think um the the actual rules of going through security clearance are prone to changes um so what meant you were eligible for clearance two years ago isn't necessarily the same now um there's also moving timelines you know i've seen people get sc cleared in, in four weeks before um, coming out of COVID, it was looking like 12 weeks. Um, yeah. And I think when you're a company looking to hire, you know, you've got a project kicking off in four months, you might think you've got loads of time. By the time you've found candidates, interviewed them, um, handed a notice in, got started on a scooter clearance, you're already behind schedule. So I think there's a few intricacies like that. Um, a lot of people don't know that clearance doesn't lapse after 12 months. So someone might go and work for another job for a year and a half, then want to get back in the scooter cleared market. They've got to go through the process again. And even just transferring clearance from, from company A for a project to company B for another project can take a period of time. Uh, there's certain rules you've got to jump through in order to do that. I think um, we're, we're quite lucky. It's all we do because we do it 40 hours a week. Um, it's all we know. So <laughs> we can we can navigate that quite quite easily. But if you don't know what you're doing, it's, it's quite easy to get unstuck quite quickly. For 40 hours per week? I remember my first part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, cool. So I've got uh, just a couple of quick questions from my side that I genuinely don't know the answer to. I can have a guess, but I want you guys to put me in the right direction. So we'll, we'll try. There's every chance we might not know all of it. <laughs> first, firstly, um, obviously, the the, pan- the pandemic resulted in a lot of candidates being onboarded remotely. Yeah. Now, in your world... Mm. That, that is certainly not the norm, I, I imagine. So how have clients managed to to maintain that level of attraction? Now, are, are they still demanding, in as many words, that people go on site or has there been more flex? And can you now work in this industry on a remote basis when you couldn't really before? Um, I, I think the only world I recruit for in, in, in my world, um, through the working practice forward 10 years, I think that's one of the, you know, covid and the pandemic was, was such a bad thing but when you think of a lot of the changes that have came as a as a kind of side result of it yeah there's a few positive impacts yeah. Yeah. yeah i think it's good to fix on that as well and, and not the sad stuff to be honest with you yeah no, positive agreed. Guy. agreed. <laughs> um yeah it's definitely thrown the work of practice forward 10 years um when you talked about intelligence agencies you'd typically be on site five days a week you might get a friday remote here and there if you're lucky um that, that's kind of gone out the window mm. um without just kind of flying past it really quickly um you don't necessarily have to have access to the information in the system to edit the system so there's a lot of um someone will be on site strip the info out send a code to someone they can edit it add to it add functionality send it back put the information back in to test it um so we're now seeing much more hybrid working two days a week typically speaking for some projects we've got loads of guys working fully remote I think quite often it's just a short shortage. Some people prefer to be on site. Mm. I remember when I worked fully remote, I loved it for two weeks. Yeah. Then very quickly didn't like it. <laughs> Hi, can I come back to the yeah. office now? <laughs> <laughs> no world, it's a pandemic, okay. Um, 
I won't ask you again, I'll. No, <laughs> no, you're banned. Yeah, there's lots of varieties of how clients have made that work. You know, there's specialist laptops that get sent to candidates that have, okay. you know, specialist ways of accessing. And, you know, that might be, yes, you're working at home, but you are still considered high side or, you know, working in a secured environment. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Will said, really throwing it forwards. Um, I think typically for SE eligible to, to SE candidates, we're looking at, you know, hybrid remote definitely you know a couple of days on site a week yeah, yeah. I, i've literally got companies that you had to be on site four days a week it's now one or two days a month yeah and we've got other ones where the, you don't have to go on site whatsoever it's only if there's a client meeting or um sprint planning for example you have to go on site Um, once you get to tv level there's a bit more on site mm. required um i think companies try to deal with it as best they can They'll try and toggle someone onto a project for, for three months, bring them off onto a hybrid one and then a remote one and try and give everyone a fair split. Um, everyone th- seems to be dealing with it in a, in a different way. Yeah, I think um, the, the attitude of people who are DV cleared already, though, it's not going to come as a shock to them. You no. know, They get to work on really exciting projects and a part and parcel of that is that they would expect to be going on site. I think you know the expectation there is is a little bit different to your average uncleared dev who wants to you know quite happily sit introverted yeah. in a room in their house and not have that comms it is yeah. a different we work with um some real research development innovation you know companies where that's completely in their dna to everyone be together throw ideas around um a particular company that, that have like this um innovation lab you go online you slap a metaphorical post-it note down um with some really wacky idea the, the, the company went to the head office a few weeks ago it was absolutely fantastic um this big countryside kind of ground uh to do software engineering but to do electrical engineering the manufacturer uh equipment as well um i think i'm going to tell the story in a little while but speaking to someone and they were outside the company were throwing a barbecue having a nice burger and there's all these robots suddenly come over running on artificial intelligence machine learning um and start picking apples from the tree um, that's so and, cool. and then run off with the apples everyone's just sat eating the food thinking what the <laughs> just happened it sounds it sounds really really cool but um for those kind of companies that they, they like two days a week on site yeah you, you don't have to but they like it just for collaboration and, and throwing ideas together i think to find you've got an electrical engineer you've got a software engineer you've got someone who you know, manufactures metal however you do that i've got, I've got no idea um <laughs> And quite often it's hard to get that that synergy when everyone's just sat on teams without yeah. being able to see things and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's still important to have that element of working together on site. You know, we tried to replicate it in recruitment, didn't we? We, we tried to go fully remote. Um, well, we had to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it was so, tough, wasn't it? Um, and we came out the other side and it's a bit of a hybrid approach and open to all ideas. But at the same time, especially in the early days of getting bedded in, nice to be on site isn't it yeah ab- no, absolutely interesting throwback actually to when we were recruiting during the pandemic and um you know contractors were needing to go on site because they were cleared and yeah they had these pieces of paper that said i work for the government i need to go on site and that was crazy <laughs> to us yeah. wasn't it at the time you I mem- know I mem- it's cool though it's <laughs> yeah. cool yeah. yeah i remember um having to kind of sign and forward an email certificate saying um i'm entitled to work on site on the grounds of national security imagine getting pulled over by the police and producing law officer yeah <laughs> and the grand that feels a little bit believe me like, that does yeah. feel james bond i wish i had one <laughs> no i'm not i'm not surprised <laughs> okay so in in summary then um clients probably you know in, in your sector need to be a little bit more accommodating than before when it comes to remote work yep uh, and it sounds like that's that's happening Definitely. and as a result candidates who are i don't want to say only interested in remote work but maybe that door can remain open for candidates looking to get into that market who would prefer remote workings. I think yeah. I, I was just expected that I have to be on site and that, that isn't the case anymore. Mm. Okay, no, that's that, that's really interesting. And the only other thing that I just wanted to mention very quickly, uh, putting my um, contractor re- recruiter hat on, obviously it's government-based, government sector. Um, I know that just from our previous conversations, well most contract roles and about 50% of what, what you do is, is contracts over in Manchester yeah. uh, is it's had to move towards that inside by a 35 determination yeah. I guess now nah, that's pretty common now have you found that clients are losing contractors as a result because they only want to stay working outside of I35 and or is there 
a way around it and I'm not not saying breaking the rules by any stretch but is, is it still possible to determine contractors outside of IF35? Yeah and I think it's, it's more possible than it was before I think when you look at IF35 can you use a reasonable substitute is one um, defining characteristic or defining question it's hard when you might have to put someone through DV clearance it might take a year and a half it's hard to utilise that particular one Yeah. Um, are you in control of what you do um, are you in the direction sometimes you have been because you're working on a location which is only open certain times you can't control where you work sometimes you've got to work in certain practices because of the amount of protocols in place etc et so the, the world did find itself more inside i35 in the commercial world um but i think as a result of that the working practice change a lot we've already spoke about remote working and people can make their own choice whether they need to be on site or not and, and do that um we're getting a lot more um, delivery and output focused work on statement of works. Um, yeah, okay. We recently became a sub consultancy. It's one of the biggest technical consultancies in the world where we're actually responsible for delivery. We'll provide a contractor. Exciting um, and terrifying on equal measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, those terms took about a year to understand, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> Got a lot of professional advice on, on that. But um, it's an exciting direction. It's one that we've been looking at for, for a long, long time. And this is probably extra extradited that to, to, to an extent. Um, it makes us responsible for delivery of a project. We use contractor A, but we also have contractor B as a reasonable substitute if it doesn't work. Um, and yeah, you essentially get a monthly deliverable rate rather than a daily rate. Yeah, It doesn't matter if you complete it in 16 days or 22. It should take an average of 20, but... You know, if you have a day off and still deliver it, it doesn't matter. So it, it, it's kind of, it's not looking at the rules and getting the way around them. It's generally how some form of contracting should always have been done. And it is giving control back to us as an organisation contractors to, to determine outside that. It's, it's still harder than it is in the commercial market. Yeah, of course. Um, which is probably why you've seen um, so much of it go inside. But um, we, I think with every challenge, you, you then find a lot of solution. solutions. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much. All right, let's um, let's move on then. Um, each each pod, we do a a segment where we ask you guys to give us five top tips. I don't know if you you're pointing this towards clients or candidates or a mixture of the two, um, but top five top tips that you would recommend to your peers, to the listeners who are out there that you've that you've learned in the last couple of years of, of focusing on this market. So, over to you guys. What yeah. tips are you sharing out with us? Uh, bum, 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 good question. And <laughs> one I've definitely remembered all the answers to. Um, do you want to kick things off? Yeah. <laughs> so that means he's forgot, Cal. <laughs> so Will's first one was okay. going to be um, find a unique selling point. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, because there's so much competition for the same for the same people. You yeah. know, if someone has the technical shortage, as well, uh, the technical skill shortage and the clearance, they're very in demand. You know, you've got six companies sometimes fighting, trying to offer as much as they can or trying to offer them X, Y, or Z to, 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 to skew that candidate. Um, I think it's really, really important to work out what your unique selling point is. I mentioned earlier, company we work with got that sandbox environment. Yes. Um, Norfolk company we work with got that virtualized infrastructure um, where hackers can go and have a few hours of fun high on caffeine yeah. typically speaking um, you've got red team attacking the infrastructure blue team defend at the same time and they kind of offer that um, as, as an exercise every two weeks to refresh the mind and have some fun um, while also training them for you know a real world thing that could happen um, we've got another company I mentioned Innovation Lab um, who'll give two hours every every fortnight everyone can just go and work on their own ideas um, yeah. but they've got the company's um software infrastructure they've got the electrical engineers floating around so i think we saw like seven layered printed circuit boards getting built for some engineers idea yeah um the company was paying a fortune for it all um you end up with robots running around picking apples apparently <laughs> um i think you, when you're such a it's such competition it's really yeah. important and i think um when i mentioned partnerships and in, in our hybrid rpo which which the, the, we've got a brand team that go in there they'll quite often go through everything you might not realize it's a unique point you might just think every company offer this but mm-hmm. in reality it's like you should, should really be selling this so i think finding your unique selling point and market it in the right way um and really harnessing it and making the most of it um, just standing out from your competition yeah, especially yeah. in a niche pool that makes yeah. sense um our second one is being mindful of the candidate journey 
So you can get really hot up in this is what we need. These are our deliverables. But again, you know, you really don't want to be pissing off a small pool of tight knit people who all, you know, you mentioned it before. You go to these expos and there are big dominant players. You can see quite clearly who's doing what in the space. You know, often you will be working for a company on a project that was owned last year by a different company. You know, there's a lot of... Um, interchanging parts between these businesses so you know you've got to be mindful of that journey make sure you're giving feedback make sure you're you know putting positive um you know steps in place to to be mindful of that you know these candidates will often as so many are be interviewing at a few different places yeah. and you know you've you've really just got to be mindful of that and um if if you're especially looking at hiring at larger volume um you know don't go about it the wrong way just just be a little bit mindful that makes perfect. Like, you, know, you can attach that to all, all rules of recruitment, yeah. but it's just as relevant to your industry. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Cal. Yeah. Um, number three. My number three, um, or my number two, number three, the whole thing, um, was don't limit your outreach. Um, I, th- I think we mentioned diversity inclusion to big that ever has been. You need to go to as wide an audience as you can. And um, we deal with some SMEs who only have an internal recruitment team of one or two and try and do it all themselves. Yeah. And this isn't me trying to sell recruitment saying use us, but I think genuinely the more pools you can open up the better um as an example we go to so many security cleared events we do everyone we possibly can quite often too many (laughs) doesn't get much time in the office um we do a whole lot of um technology meetups we we host quite a few um chris hoppy does the the devops meetups we've got um the testing um one that we do every month we've got so much stuff going on we also go to quite a lot of Women in tech. Yeah, uh, women diversity. in tech, women in, di- women in defense. All, all of these things where we're up and up new yeah. uh, relationships, new, new pools of candidate. Um, we also, you can only use the resources you've got, but if you diversify your supply chain a little bit, you know, we make loads of placements from Slack, um, Twitter. Reddit. Reddit, yeah. We had a good story. We had a consultant last month place, a lead TV cleared data scientist, um, permanent, um, and this had been on the uh, on, on a company's desk for like three months. Couldn't find anyone. To be honest with you, we bloody couldn't find anyone. We we're trying everything. Gave up the ghost almost. <laughs> <laughs> One of the guys, um, you know, he recruits data science. He was on a data science forum. Nothing to do with recruitment. Nothing to do with clearance. And this guy had posted a, a government research thing, um, like a paper that he'd released. Yeah, yeah, like an official government paper. He'd researched it for a year, posted it, um, consulted, seen it, and thought. This is definitely scooter cleared stuff. It was like yeah. <laughs> if um, a drone shoots a missile that's been led by artificial intelligence, machine learning, who has legality of it? Is it the government? Is it the person who wrote the code? Um, Start talking to this guy in the forum. We would be cleared, engaged in the conversation, spoke on the phone. Two weeks later, we finally placed this completely ridiculous niche on placeable lead data scientists. So, um, and I, I think the other thing as well is quite often these guys are on a, when they are on site, um, which is still more than the, the commercial market. They've got the phones, all electronic devices, electronic CO device. If you're only working at five o'clock, so are these guys, you're not going to get all of them. Um, no. You need, you know, we've got teams that start at half seven in the morning and finish early. We've got teams that start late, finish late. I was always quite famous for the Wednesday 9 p.m. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'd all order some food in. A few of the guys would, would start at 12 o'clock, finish at nine. Um, and that would be our big DV night to, to get hold of as many people. I mean, if you're not doing that in your world, I'm imagining you've, you've got next to no chance. Uh, if people's phones are in a locker, how can you contact them in the normal working day? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's good, but I mean, just adjust your life accordingly. Of course. Um, and it's it's all good fun. We get free pizzas on a Wednesday. On, on <laughs> so happy days. Everyone's happy. <laughs> um, our fourth one then was shout about what you can. So... We've nice. talked about flirting around subjects. We've talked about reading through, you know, reading between the lines, talking in a second language. Yeah, that's there. That is a genuine element. But there is so much that you can talk about. Um, there's so much in terms of candidate attraction that you can talk about, not just, you know, what is your unique selling point, you know, culture, those types of things. But, you know, there's projects or bits of projects that are exciting that you can talk about. There's, um, you know, successful releases that, weren't maybe able to be talked about before but can be now you know all of that good stuff um you know diversifying what you're doing in terms of yes public sector work or yes defense work but also this on you know just 
really make it known in the market that you are hiring. You know, yeah. we said before, this space can often be dominated by the big players who, like you said, are so big. But there is so many new SMEs coming up and exciting work that they do. You know, don't be drowned out by that. If you are recruiting in this space, make it known, shout about it. Yeah, and about being ignorant towards the smaller companies, it's, again, being a bit assumptive here, but is that an easier way in? For candidates, no, if you want to work for, I don't know, a Lockheed Martin further down the line, but it's not easy to get your foot in the door, is starting out at one of those SMEs and getting clearance, is, is, that, is that the start definitely. of a process? Potential avenue, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, it depends on skill set. The SMEs are really niche in certain subjects sometimes, even even Lockheed Martin, you know, I think we're still at one cleared supply where I've been for some time. Um, and they recruit for such a wild mix of skill sets and backgrounds um we'd be interested to speak to anyone to get them into that into that market okay cool and finding out what works for you as well you know yes that you might see that as an avenue to work at a bigger company but you know there's so many um advantages of working with the smaller ones there's equally as many for working with the bigger ones it's just finding out what you want and, and your own personal journey but as a client definitely shout about what you can okay and last but not least um last but not least um work with specialists it's such a complicated world um half the time people won't want to speak about what clearance they've got um quite often people don't understand what clearance they've got if i'm, if I'm completely yeah, honest yeah we get with you. a lot of occasions where people are like oh yeah no i'm cleared no no you're not oh yeah yeah no, <laughs> I've, I've got people who don't know what clearance they've got it's like if you sat in a two-hour interview with a vetting officer yeah well, you've got a dv clearance you've definitely got a dv clearance yeah. um there's different types of clearance there's ways of transferring it um I've heard a lot of non-specialists. I've heard a lot of stories about non-specialists and you need to start the conversation with, oh, before we get started, you have DV claims. I mean, if, if I was there, I'd hang the phone up. You know, there's a whole way of um, engaging yeah, talent with, with clearance. So I, my genuine, I mean, it sounds like I'm trying to sell searchability, which I suppose is my job, so it's hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's generally work, work with, work with specialists yeah well you know what you know you say you obviously we, we want to plug searchability but that's that's genuinely not the point you know it refers back to your previous comment i think even more so in your world even though you are a top suppliers for some of these globally recognized companies it's fair to say that i don't think you work on any of them exclusively you know even there's only a few specialists so you quite often see the same recruitment names yeah. as well as client names but clients out there know that they have to reach out as far and wide as humanly possible yeah. because it's quite often not not what you know but who you know in, yep. in your industry and there's probably somebody working through an LA International who were placed 20 years ago and they've been placed four times since for LA International you're never going to know who that person is yeah. until they, they, they put themselves back out there so yeah I think options is is key yeah yep. definitely for sure alright cool well no thank you very much for that guys you know um I feel like we could talk about this subject forever. <laughs> so, you know, any any listeners out there, please feel free to to reach out to Kel or to Will directly or reach out to the, the Holopod team with any questions you might have. And I'm sure they'll be offer, happy to offer any more insightful information. You know, we haven't even talked about the difference of clearance yeah. levels, for instance, which is another conversation for a different oh, yeah. day. I want to waste an hour. Yeah, this, this world this is endless. <laughs> it, it is. Guilty. <laughs> okay, no, that, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Um, Thank you. We, we can start to, to wrap things up from, from here on out. It's a little bit more casual towards, towards the end of the pod. Um, I am going to quickly cover my own personal segment of the pod, which is the Director's Diaries. Um, it was a bit of a tricky one this week, I must say, because what I like to try and do is relate the director's diaries to the podcast itself mm -hmm. but i know very little about your world <laughs> other than the fact that i quite like you too <laughs> um, i obviously have no relevance to clearance whatsoever i'm not sure i'd qualify <laughs> maybe i would I'm not, i don't know let's not get into that so today i'm just gonna upstate uh upstate up, update our listeners on on where i'm up to on my my own daddy journey I love this. so uh um terrifying and exciting in equal measure but i'm very very close now to becoming a father um my my fiance gabs is is full term she's she's due anytime now it's quite a scary thought actually i could just be sat here and my phone might ring and within 24 hours i, I could have a crying baby wow it's it's almost certain that by the time this episode actually airs i will be a dad 
um, which is you know enormously exciting. So I'll keep you updated on on progress. We don't actually know the gender at this point, so that's a that's a big surprise. Um, so we'll reveal both name and, and gender on on the next pod. If anyone wants to have a guess, you know, please please feel free. But I won't tell you if you're if you're right or wrong. <laughs> so I guess this week, what I'm actually asking is for a, a little bit of help from our listeners. You know, my my job has obviously changed quite a lot um, from from recruiter to director, but I personally feel like I've never been busier. Uh, it's it's a real hard balance to find as it is now. Trying to factor being a father and finding that balance between work time and home time and spending time with the family, et cetera, is, is something I'm really keen to get right. So if any listeners out there have any, any advice on how to balance that time, how to manage that time, the the good and bad experiences that they've had, then, then I'm all ears. So please feel free to reach out. You, you can email us on the, the Holopod podcast email address which i've forgot i'm, I'm pretty sure it'll be uh holopod at searchability.com yeah leah's putting a thumbs up to tell me that's <laughs> correct thank you leah um or, or you can email myself directly at ollie.preston at searchability.com and uh, any any good stories or any particular positive stories will or, or negative will, will be shared on on next month's episode of the pod um but yeah any any pearls of wisdom anyone in the room I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> I can barely look after myself. Brilliant. You're doing a great job. Keep going. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm trying. Good, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you very much. Good Good luck. Brilliant. Cheers, <laughs> uh, Okay, so we like to round things up with the wrap-up record. It's a little bit of a mouthful. <laughs> so what we ask our guests to do here is obviously pick a song. But it could be for for any reason. It might be relevant to your market. It might just be your favourite song of all time. You know, it, it could be anything. Obviously, there's, there's two of you, and I did ask Will to, to pre-prepare for this, so <laughs> I'm afraid Will gets to choose. But just out of interest, Kel, what what would you have gone for? I feel like the obvious link to our market has got to be the James Bond theme tune, right? Love it. <laughs> or if it was more personal to the account management world that I'm coming from, I'm going to go with um, Manic Mondays by The Bangles. Classic. <laughs> I, I feel like every day is manic for you, oh, but yeah. Mondays is the worst, is it? That's the only one I can think of with the title of a song. So right. we'll go with that one. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, and William, to see us out? Um, yeah, I, I came up with a few suggestions. Um, I, I don't tend to shout. I'm a football fan, I spot Nottingham Forest. Um, and there's a, there's a few big things that have happened for us recently. Um, for the first time in, in my life, I got to go to Wembley. Um, the, the old man's and you won, <laughs> and we won, and we won. Um, the old man, my dad, I don't get to see him. I live four hours away, I don't get to see him that much. Um, he's a bit of a tight old git as well. Um, <laughs> so he, he definitely. Wouldn't. I hope he listens now. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he he probably would have drove nine hours instead of getting a train. So. It was really nice. We work really hard in recruitment. We obviously get financially rewarded. And um, it, it meant I could buy him tickets, buy his train, look after him for the whole day, get him, get him home. Um, it was a really kind of special day for us. It was Wembley. Not with us, I've been back at the Premiership for 23 years. We won. Um, and I got to spend it with the old man as well. Never thought I'd, I'd, I'd see the day. So I'm quite lucky. Um, and for that reason, I tend not to advertise too much about football about myself. I'm not a, a season ticket holder. I'm not a hooligan or anything like that. Good. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying season tickets are hooligans, Oliver. Sorry. Um definitely not what I'm saying but <laughs> when Nottingham Forest win which apparently is quite rare I've been told um, we have a song it's Depeche Mode Just Can't Get Enough that plays oh it's a classic I uh, love it so ahead of the Premier League season starting first time Forest to be in the Premier League for 23 years and Depeche Mode Just Can't Get Enough amazing thank you so much the one you read alright guys well thank you very much for coming thanks for having us no worries cheers Depeche. <laughs> Cheers.
rainbow, you know you set me free And I just can't get enough, and I just can't get enough You're like an angel